Well, I got a question, and I just want to start it out this way today. Now, if this is your first time at Second Chance, when I ask questions, I expect honesty. You don't have to lie here. You can actually tell the truth. So this is my question, and all I want is an honest answer from everybody in the room, okay? The question is this. Have you ever argued with God? Okay, cool. Most of us in the room would at least admit to one argument. Mine, I'm, I'm like down to one a day. But... Um, I got in a big argument with God this week, and it had to do with all of y'all, um, and th this was it. I had an incredible Christmas message planned. I really did, um, and it was like we had pictures and slides, and it was going to be a journey, and it was going to be awesome, and it was going to feel like Christmas, and then Thursday morning, Thursday morning, God, I, I was reading through Second Chronicles, I was in chapter 33, and God said, this is what you're going to preach for the Christmas services, and me... Because I'm, I'm smart. I mean, I know this Bible stuff, right? And I just told God. I was like, we'll see what. God, what happened was um, this is not a Christmas message. This isn't even, this doesn't, there's no virgins. There's no shepherds. There's no wise men in the passage or on stage. Like, there's none of that. And so, God, I'm going to have to just tell you um, no. I, I, I wish I could tell you I was immediately obedient. But here's the thing about God. Here's the thing about God. He's patient. And persistent. So I went through all day on Thursday. Then Friday morning, I wake up. I'm in Second Chronicles, and he's he's there again. Like I'm, God is interrupting my time with God. I, I don't know if He's ever done that to you, but I'm like, you're interrupting me because I'm trying to spend time with you. And God said, you're you're preaching this message. And so finally, I said, okay. And that's how typically my arguments with God go. All right, fine, I'll do it. So this message is not, if you came expecting seven pound, eight ounce, baby Jesus, swaddle and manger stuff, you're not going to get that. This is, this is not a Christmas message. There's nothing, I tried my best, I can't even con connect it to Christmas. But while it's not a Christmas message, it's a second chance message. And I believe this message is for somebody in this room or somebody watching online that needs to hear the core of it, because it's been preached, it's, and, and I've had somebody already ask, I, I wish I could see your notes from this message. Me too. <laughs> I don't have any. So if it feels like I'm just kind of making it up, this is, this is what you call letting the Holy Spirit take over. So if it's not good, blame it on him. All right, so here we go. We live in cancel culture. And you, you're aware of cancel culture, right? If you do something or you say something that isn't politically in line with the mainstream, you get canceled. And it's not just if you do something or say something today. They go back and look at any of your social media accounts five years ago, ten years ago. Some of, some of us in the room, old school MySpace, hello. They go to the MySpace place if you can even get there. They find what you said. They bring it up and they cancel you. We live in cancel culture. And I'm watching the news media talk about people getting canceled and this person got canceled and they're calling it a new phenomenon. And I'm thinking the whole time, this isn't new. The church has been canceling people for years. Oh, you got pregnant and you weren't married? Canceled. You had an abortion? Canceled. You're living together? Canceled. You're an addict? Canceled. And there's some people here today that you feel like 
that, I mean, you're, you're, you're here or you're online and it's Christmas, but you're not that excited about it because at some point in the journey, you got canceled. Others of us, we didn't get canceled. We canceled God out of our lives. It wasn't, it wasn't like we woke up one day and said, God, I'm canceling you. Like nobody would really do that. That's just not a very smart move. But, but slowly but surely, over a course of weeks, months, maybe even years, we canceled the importance of God in our lives. And we wound up at a place we thought we would never be. And if that's you, man, you're going to love this Christmas message. Here we go. We're going to start in 2 Chronicles 33. This is like, this is what I call a fresh bread message. It, it came right out of the oven, and here you go. We didn't even have time to dress it up. All right, here we go. 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 1. Manasseh, never heard of that guy because he's jacked up, all right? Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. Right, right off the bat, we see a problem. Okay? I mean, I know your 12-year-old's awesome. But, but the way, and some of you are like, well, how did this even happen? Well, in ancient Israel, the way it happened was that the, the, the man was the king, and then when he died, the oldest son automatically got put into power. And that's the way the political system ran. And, uh, and some people are like, wish we kind of had that today. Because if we're honest, both candidates acted like a 12-year-old during the election. I, I don't care who you voted for, they, they both acted... Very immature. So anyway, back to the story. So Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. That's the problem. And then it says, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. Now, here's what you need to know about Manasseh that's in the previous chapters, and I'm not going to go back and read them. I'm just going to summarize it for you. Manasseh had a dad named Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was a godly man. I mean, he had his issues, just like we all have issues, but he was a godly man. So Manasseh grew up knowing about God, knowing about, it's kind of like, it's kind of like some people in this room. If you grew up in the South, you grew up going to church, but like as soon as you had an opportunity, you made a run for it. Like me, I was like, ah, oh, I get, I get, I'm getting out of this place. And this is, this is where Manasseh was in his relationship with God. But then something happened. And the writer tells us he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Now, it, it doesn't say he did what was evil in people's sight. Because you, did you know that you cannot live up to the standards of other people because you're always going to be doing something wrong or something you're doing is always going to make somebody mad? Somebody's going to be like, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. I had somebody tell me one time I was wearing a, like a sleeveless top. He said, you shouldn't wear that. I'm like, you couldn't wear that. That's, so that was the problem. So anyway, we had that conversation. It's a whole other conversation for a whole other time. But, but like we have some things that you have some things you consider wrong and this person, and, and, and we judge each other based on those standards. Like I used to have a friend um, when I first became a Christian, and we would get together, and he would talk about how good he was. And one of the reasons he was so good is because he didn't cuss. Um, and that's why he was, I don't cuss, I don't cuss, I don't cuss. But when he got real mad, he would say, dog lips. <laughs> and one day I was like, I, okay, first of all, do dogs have lips? Second of all, why do you say that? And he goes, well, that's my substitute cuss word. I said, your substitute cuss word? He goes, yeah. Instead of cussing, I just say dog lips. And I'm like, well, is the intention to curse? And he was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, well, you might as well say Damn. Some of y'all are like, 
He said, damn. Yeah, yeah I did. I, well, don't worry. It gets better. Um, but but it's, it's some people are like, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do this. But I'm not talking about all those things. I'm talking about evil in the Lord's sight, not our sight, God's sight. And all of us in this room, at least once in our lives, have done something evil in the Lord's sight. Today. I did on my way to church this morning. I got behind somebody on a back road driving the speed limit, which slowed me down, which causes issues with my control. And I said some things that were evil in the Lord's sight. Dog lips, right? I mean, I was there. I was there. If you have not done anything evil in the Lord's sight, when you leave here today, take a right and just drive down Clemson Boulevard. I promise you by the time you get to the end of the road, you will invent cuss words because all of us, all of us, all of us have done things that are evil in the Lord's sight. Now, we don't wake up saying, what commandment can I break today? It's just that thing that happens over life. But for Manasseh, he started following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. So Manasseh's here, and he's like, well, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to worship a little bit over here. I mean, I'm still going to go to the temple, but, like, I'm going to do this, too. It's not, it's not that big a deal. It's this thing called I'm just, I'm just going to kind of kind of have my foot right here in, in the world of God, and I'm going to have this other foot right here in the in the world of, like, the fun stuff, right? And I'm going to go between God and the, and the fun stuff. But then eventually what happens is he rebuilt the pagan shrines. His father, Hezekiah, had broken down. He constructed altars for the images of Baal and set up a Asherah poles. He also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and, and worshipped them. And this is a problem. Because... When he was 12 years old, if you would have ever asked him, Manasseh, do you see yourself ever doing this right here? He would have probably said, no way. No. I, no, I would never do that. But you know how we get there? We just take a step. And then we take another one. And before you know it, we're at a place and we never thought we would be. And it says, the writer tells us he built pagan altars in the temple. In the temple. This is the place where the presence of God was. You could not open-handed slap God in the face more than this act right here. He, he, built pagan he built altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord had said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens and both courtyards of the Lord's temple. He has lost his flipping mind. One step at a time, we go to those places and do those things that we said we would never do. Now, right now, I'm about to do, if you're a communicator, what's called tension relief. Because everybody's like, <gasps> so if you're a parent, let me ask you a question. you got to answer honestly. If your child is with you, sitting with you right now. It's going to be awkward, but you got to tell the truth. Tell the truth and shame the devil. How many of you parents would admit that at least one time in your life, your children have driven you 
absolutely crazy. Hands up. Yes, yes. There's more hands up right now than during worship. There's people that have never raised your hand in church, and you just like got led by the Spirit. We had one lady in the last service had both hands up. I mean, it was unreal. And it, you're, you might be the child on the road going, I thought I was perfect. <laughs> you're not. But parents, let me ask. My, my mom, my mom was, it was, I was ADHD before they diagnosed that stuff. So I can remember coming to the house going, yeah, what are we going to do? And my mom would look at me and go, get out. <laughs> like forever? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens when your father comes home. <laughs> And I would go, dad always came home, by the way. He always came home. So if you're a parent, you, you, your children have driven you crazy. And parents, let me ask you this question. Do you remember how we used to know everything there was about being a parent? And then we became one. You, God's getting you back because he got me back too. God's getting you back for all the times you sat in a restaurant and you saw the kid freak out and the mom and dad frantically. And you're like, yeah, when I had kids, <laughs> I ain't going to let them get away with that right there. That, 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 right, that is bad parenting right there. And then you had a demon, right? I mean, you didn't have a child. You had it, and they freaked out in the restaurant, and you're shoving rolls and SpongeBob and everything you can get just to shut them down. And there have been times as a parent, you've been like, God, could you just zap me out of here for five minutes? That's all I need is five minutes, God, if I could just get five minutes. That's, that's, why, you, that's why your dad spent so long in the bathroom. <laughs> but as crazy as our kids have driven us, and as bad as some of us can be sometimes, I'll bet you nobody in this room, nobody in this room went to this level. I mean, because Manasseh started here, and he... Starts worshiping other things, and he turns his back on God. And the next thing we see is he sacrificed his own sons in the fire of the valley of Ben-Hinnom. Hold, hold on. I mean, Manasseh, have you lost your mind? One commentator I read, well, I was trying to do any sort of research, and He's like, well, in the culture of the day, pause. I don't care what freaking culture you're in. You can't throw a, a child in the fire and say that's something. Well, it's cultural. Well, you, no. It's messed up. Now, just a, just a question. When Manasseh was 12 years old, do you think if you would have came to him and said, hey, Manasseh, I got a question for you. Do you think you will ever have children and throw them in the fire? What's his answer going to be? No. But when he took a, a step, then he took another step, then he took another step, he wound up doing something that he said he would never do. And so have I. And so have some of you. It, it gets worse. It can't get any. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It can get worse. The writer tells us, he practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight. There it is again. The author is telling us this. I want you to understand this isn't people sitting around on Twitter judging him. This is him doing evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. God's getting a little, God's getting a little upset at this point. 
it, with, with Manasseh. I mean, because he's like talking, he's calling the psychic hotline, and he's, he's, he's doing And I told you all a few weeks ago, every once in a while, if my horoscope pops up on something, I'll look at it. It's so ambiguous. I don't live my life by it. But he, instead of seeking God's ways and God's plan, he's spiritual, but he's not religious. He's spiritual, but he's not godly. And he's, he's turning. See, what happens when we get here and we eventually start going down this road, we will turn to the wrong things every single time. That's how addiction happens, is we turn to the wrong things. Trust me. I know a little bit about that. Now, the author goes on to say, Manasseh even took a carved idol he made and set it up in God's temple. What? Yeah, he made an idol and he took it. So he's open-handed slapping God again. The very place where God had told David, his son, and his son Solomon, my name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city I've chosen from among all the tribes of Israel. If the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands, all the laws, decrees, and regulations given through Moses, I will not send them into exile from this land that I set aside for your ancestors. But Manasseh led the people of Judah and Jerusalem to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. In other words, the pagan people, the people that didn't even know God, they were looking at Manasseh going, Oh, man, I don't think I'd have done that. I don't think I'd have gone there. I, I don't think I would have gone that far. But Manasseh, nobody in this room, nobody in this room, nobody watching online would even attempt to make an excuse for Manasseh. There, there, there's no reason. The whole sacrificing kids in the fight, you can't defend that. God obviously tries to intervene. The Lord spoke to Manasseh, which right there, it, if, if the next verse would have said, and God took his fist and punched Manasseh in the head, and he went down into the earth so far that his body will never be recovered, all of, that's a little graphic, isn't it? But all of us in this room would be like, well, yeah, I get that. But the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all his warnings. You see, God, if we're here and we start taking steps in this direction, God will always speak to us. But he speaks to us. Listen, when God speaks to us, he speaks to us in ways that are surprising. I was listening to a guy not too long ago on the radio. It was a podcast that he did on the radio because I, I don't. Does anybody listen to radio? I don't listen. Anyway, so I'm listening to this podcast, and he talks about how the cultural revolution of the 60s and the 70s and even into the 80s, how sex, drugs, and rock and roll became the thing, and people were rebelling, and he's talking about the church, and he said, the church slept through the cultural revolution, and we missed an opportunity. And I'm looking back in church history, and I'm looking at the church even in the 80s and 90s, and I'm like, the church didn't sleep through it. The church got mad, and they started yelling at people, and what I've learned through personal experience is when you're in an environment which says, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you're horrible, you're pathetic, you're awful, let's pray, we'll see you next Sunday, eventually, you're like, 
I can get told I suck sitting at home. I don't have to go to a place and, 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 and participate. And so when we think of God speaking to us, we always think of God as angry. But then we get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we get to see Jesus, who is literally Emmanuel, God with us, and, and he's just not angry at sinful people. He's angry at religious people. He's turning over temp, you know, tables in the temple. We won't see that. When I think of God speaking to people, through what I've seen in Scripture, through what I've seen in 30 years of ministry, and through what I've experienced myself, when God speaks to us, when we're stepping away from him, I think the best way to describe it is God is looking at us and saying, you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to do that? I mean, you can do it. But are you sure you want to do that? Because, because there's going to be consequences. Like, are you sure? I remember one time, um, this was B.C. before Christ in my life. I was standing toe-to-toe with a guy. We were about to go. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I would have lost that fight. He would have whipped my tail. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was, it was going to be He was more experienced than me in fighting. He was bigger than me. But I wasn't backing down. It, it, it was some of y'all, that's pride. It was 100% pride. But I never will forget, the, I asked him that question. I, I looked at him, he's looking at me, we're about to go, and I said, are you sure you want to do this? He said, why do you ask? What are you going to do? And I was like, listen, I can't guarantee the outcome. I can promise you one thing, you're going to bleed. And we didn't fight. I bluffed my way out of a butt kicking. It was amazing. But I've never forgotten that question because... I've been at places in my life where God is like, are you sure you want to do this? And it's actually been like, no. Or, you know what? Yeah, God, I'm sure I want to do it. And it takes us further away. God, God, I believe God might be asking somebody today. Hey, you started out here. You're taking some steps this direction. You sure you want to keep going? You sure you want to go down that road? You sure you want to be there? Because he ignored the warnings, and what happened was the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies. Let me pause real quick. The Assyrian armies were in the north, and they did not know God. They didn't follow God. They didn't worship God. They weren't even connected with God. But I find it amazing that the scripture writer says, so who sent them on three? One, two, three, the Lord. The Lord sent armies of a foreign nation. In other words, the Lord is in control of all political systems all over the world. Even though they don't acknowledge him, he reigns over them. And that's just to let somebody know who's caught up in Fox News or MSNBC or CNN that God reigns, that God rules, that God's in control. No matter who wins the election, God is already the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so you can stop freaking out over Christmas. And some of the best things that you could do is just cut off the news channel, your stress level. Well, I, I need to know what's going on. Here's what's going on. God reigns. He's in control of it all. No matter who's in the White House, he reigns in the eternal house, and that's what we need to put our focus on. Okay, so just stop freaking out. That was absolutely free, by the way. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian army, and they took Manasseh prisoner because that's what sin will do. We dance with it. But pretty soon we realized the dance was nothing more than a way to tie us up. Took Manasseh prisoner. 
What you want to be in life? Prisoner. Took him prisoner. They put a ring through his nose. And somebody's like, oh, my gosh, that is so cool. He got his nose pierced because the people getting piercings. And somebody got the nose pierced. Somebody got their ears pierced. And somebody got something else pierced that I don't want to know about. But, like, everybody's talking about the piercings and stuff. It wasn't that kind of piercing. It was a hook through the nose. Why did they do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. They put a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. Oh. Well, that's unfortunate. See, because Babylon was about 500 miles away from Jerusalem. You had to walk through two deserts to get to Babylon. Jerusalem was the epicenter of worship. It's where the presence of God was. The presence of God was in the temple. The power of God was in the temple. So Manasseh gets taken captive by the enemy hook in his nose, and led so far. He's further away from God geographically and spiritually than he's ever been. And if you were to ask him when he was 12 years old, Manasseh, what's your dream in life? What do you want more than anything else in the world? He would not have said, man, one of these days, I want the Assyrians to come in and put a ring through my nose and bind me with bronze chains and lead me in captive Lead me captive to a foreign place where I have no connection with God at all. And the reason I'm saying that is because there's somebody in the room, you feel like you're in that place right there. Well, here's the good news. It gets better because some of you are like looking at your friend going, I am so sorry. He is normally not like this. I was expecting, I mean, because this, like, if I just prayed and went home, we'd all be like, okay, worst Christmas ever. Like, like okay, but it's 2020, so what'd you expect, right? But, but something switches. Something switches because we, we look at this guy. And, and before I move on, let me say this. If there's a little bit of good for, good for him, he got what he deserved in you, you might want to lean in on that. You might want to squeeze that out. That's not good for you. Because we can look at that and go, well, good for him. God told him. God wanted He got what he deserved, which at the end of the day, do any of us really want what we deserve? I mean, let's say that a Bible, somebody got to come in and write 12 verses down about the worst season in your life. Would you want me to read it on stage? Mm-mm. You don't want that. Trust me, you can Google my name and figure, I mean, I like, like I, some of it is out there, right? It's not good. It's, it's, it's shameful. It's, it's, it's horrible. And so we, we see this story taking place, and, and we go, well, he deserved it, but I'll, somebody taught me something a long time ago, that whenever you see somebody experience something like that right there, Instead of saying, they got what they deserved, pause and say, by the grace of God, that's not me. That could have been me. But remember that time where you were faced with that decision and you took this turn instead of that turn? You, you took this turn by the grace of God. It was the grace of God. It wasn't your good morality. or so, It was by the grace of God that you made the decision that it didn't lead you to this place. Because if you've ever been to this place, 
you, you, you can look at people that have go through this and go, your heart's broken for them because you know how they think. That's why we gotta, when we see somebody do something like this, we got to say, by the grace of God, that's not me. I'm so glad, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that Manasseh's story didn't end here. And by the way, neither did yours. Because the writer tells us, but while in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord as God. And some people are like, well, I bet he did. And, and notice what the writer says here. While in deep distress, deep distress, I'm talking about rock bottom. I'm talking about depression on a level that few people have experienced. And let me pause real quick and say, there's too many people in the world today saying they're depressed and they're not. They're pissed and they're calling it depression. I'm so depressed. Why? Because I went to Starbucks and they messed up my drink. Well, the reason they messed up your drink is because you're a brat and you got it whipped and spanked and spat on and spun around. And if you wasn't such a brat, you wouldn't have gotten it. And you're not depressed. You're angry because you're spoiled, okay? I'm so depressed. Why? Because I told them not to put a pickle on my sandwich at Chick-fil-A. And they put a pickle on it. Well, in Hezekiah chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Thou shalt put a pickle on the sandwich at Chick-fil-A. Thank you. I just made that up, by the way. Thank you very much. That's not deep distress. Deep distress is not they messed up my drink order at Starbucks. Deep distress is when you're sitting on the edge of your bed and you're thinking, maybe the world would be better without me. You ever been there? I have. Some of you are there right now. Deep distress. Not sad that he got caught. Like legit distress. Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself. That's huge. He didn't say, okay, 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 fine, fine. God, if you'll just get me out of this prison, I'll go to church every week, and I'll do better. See, that's called bargaining. And when we try to bargain with God, we really, haven't, we really don't have a humble heart. This is Manasseh humbling himself and saying, you know what, God? I was wrong, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Now, we all know about the amazing grace of God, and, and we all know God forgives. And so some of y'all are like, I know what's going to happen. He's going to get forgiven. And, and it's what happens in, in church world today a lot of times is somebody will, like, be here, and they'll take some steps here, and they'll pray for forgiveness, and, and they get forgiven, but they have an asterisk by their name. Who's that guy, man? He loves Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's Who's that girl? She loves Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's got a, she got a couple kids by a couple different guys. You don't want to talk to her. But God doesn't just want to forgive you. He wants to do something else. And we see it because he did it for Manasseh. The Bible says, and when he prayed, the Lord listened to him. And was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem. Oh, you in prison. 
but you humbled yourself, I'm going to bring you back to the palace. See, God doesn't want to just forgive you in prison and then shame you there for the rest of your life. God said, I'm going to take you from the prison and I'm going to restore you back to the palace. You humbled yourself and said, yourself, it's not about forgiveness. It's about restoration. I'm going to bring you back to Jerusalem and to your kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. So here's the good news for somebody that you were here and you took some steps in this direction and you feel like Manasseh messed up, tied up, and forgotten by God. God's not trying to get you back. He's trying to bring you back. And he doesn't want to forgive you with an asterisk above your name going, you are forgiven but damaged goods in the kingdom. No, 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 no. He wants to bring you from prison to the palace and restore you to even greater things than you could ever imagine. God is a God of second chances. And the second chance can be greater than the first chance. Even though you blew it here, God said, I want to open up a door of restoration for you that's better than anything else you could ever imagine. And it's all because of this man named Jesus. Because see, Manasseh cried out to God. But through Jesus, God is crying out to us saying, you still have hope. There is still potential for you. Because Matthew wrote down for us what, what we see in Scripture. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us in the person of Jesus. And because of Jesus, there is no one in this room that is too far gone. There is no one in this room that is too far tied up. Because in Jesus, we can have peace. And in Jesus, we can have hope. And in Jesus, we can have joy. And in Jesus, we can go from the prison to the palace and live again. Because his name is above all names. There is no name that is higher. There is no name that is greater. Death could not hold him. Death could not keep him down. And death cannot keep us down either. His name is Jesus. Jesus, I want to thank you that your name is above every single name. Your name is above addiction. Your name is above sickness. Your name is above depression. Your name is above anxiety. Your name is above worry. Your name is above doubt. Jesus, your name is greater than every name. And right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're like 12-year-old Manasseh taking some steps in the wrong direction. And you haven't hit rock bottom. But you know you're on your way. Today, God's asking you, you sure you want to do that? You sure you want to go that direction? And your answer is, no, Jesus, I don't want to walk that way anymore. I want to turn back to you. Right now, where you stand, you don't need me to lead you in a prayer. You can just say, Jesus, I don't want to go in this direction anymore. Maybe you're like Manasseh and you've hit rock bottom. Take it from somebody who was there. Rock bottom to me was a gift because it caused me to see how desperately I need Jesus. Maybe you're in that place today of deep despair. I was there. 
And here's what I can tell you. You got there by yourself, but you won't get out of there by yourself. You need the help of Jesus and you need the help of others. And if you need help today, if you're that person, you feel like you're sitting on the edge of your bed trying to think of a reason to live one more day, you came to the right place. We've got a group of people that would love to meet with you, pray with you, pray for you. If you just have felt overwhelmed this week or overwhelmed this season or overwhelmed this year, I want you to step out of your aisle and I want you to walk out these exits because we've got people that'll meet you there, that love you, that'll pray with you, that'll pray for you. Don't look and see if anybody else is going. If this is you and you need to go, I want you to go right now. I want you to take that step of faith right now because you don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to live wondering if God has purpose, God has hope, God has peace for you. You can know beyond the shadow of a doubt. And maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Jesus. Listen, if Jesus can save Manasseh, he can save you. So if you want to give your life to Jesus today, the right where you stand, I want you to just pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Take over, Jesus. You are Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ in this room or online, I'm going to count to three. And when I hit three, I want you to put your hands straight up in the air because I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you and I want to celebrate with you. So here we go. If you just prayed to receive Christ, one, two, three, hands in the air, hands in the air right now. Amen. Hands in the air. If you're online, hand raise emoji. Father, I want to thank you right now that you have saved people all weekend this weekend you are changing lives. I want to thank you for the people that you have saved. And I want to thank you for the people that you have given hope that we can know that in the name of Jesus, we can walk full of peace. We can walk full of joy. We can walk full of immeasurably more. Knowing Jesus, that even though the world has thrown every name at us, Jesus, your name is the name that is above all names. And in you, we can walk knowing that we are more than conquerors, that there is no condemnation. And in you, greater is the one who is in us than he that is in the world. In you, Jesus, the best is always yet to come. We love you for this. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody that agreed said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church this weekend? And I love you guys. Have a great Christmas. We'll see you back here on January 3rd.